Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. You know, we're in this series of King's Kingdom, right? And um, the Kingdom of God was central to the message of Jesus. And what Jesus said was that the Kingdom of Heaven, with His coming, when He came, His, His message was the Kingdom of Heaven is near. And it was something that was no longer distant or a thought or an idea, but it was near. And that it was unlike anything we had ever, anyone was expecting at that time and probably throughout history would expect it's different to what we even anticipate and that's why i love that we're going through this series king's kingdom because it's helping us to again go okay what is this i'm actually a part of this is not about going through the motions this is not about going through a cycle of rituals or activities that somehow make us maybe feel a little bit this is about the life and the health and the wealth and the wholeness of his kingdom and so i love that we're going through this and we find that actually as we dig in that actually the things that we thought and i've shared this before the things that we thought would lead to a to the good life actually are not necessarily the assumptions that do. But actually, as we come and we learn, we find that even though those assumptions are questioned and we're working this out by the grace of God and His leading and His Holy Spirit and community, that actually our deepest desires, we find, get satisfied. And it's a beautiful thing. But Jesus is flipping some of our assumptions on its head, and it's no different with the Scripture we're looking at tonight. Um, and that's the, the Scripture or the blessing as we've gone through Matthew 6 and the Beatitudes. The blessing we're looking at tonight is, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Just quickly, because I want to sit on pure in heart, but to see God is namely three things, and it could be a little more, but one, to see God is to, to know without a shadow of doubt you are welcome in His presence. That, that there is no barrier anymore. You can step into and live from a place of His presence. To see God is also to, to realize that we have the, the opportunity in part in this life, but then when he returns in full, to have direct experience of his glory, which creates awe in our heart. And to see God, number three, is to actually receive of his grace. We see throughout Psalms that it actually speaks of, um, the psalmist would say, do not hide your face from me, Look, lift your face to me, and then immediately after says, show me your grace. Seeing his face is tied to receiving of his grace. And so I just want to paint that picture. Why would we even want to consider being pure in heart to see God? Like, what does that mean? Well, it means access to our Creator's presence, to live from that place. It means access to be able to see His glory and to be awestruck with that, that lifts our eyes and to receive His grace that comforts us in our times of need. But tonight I really felt to sit on the first part of that, which is pure in heart blessed, happy, congratulations to those who are pure in heart, because you will see God. And when I was thinking about this, Jesus really was flipping things on the head, 
from that time then. When people heard of purity in that time, so often purity is talked about in the context of what is out here. It was ritual purity. It was the things that I do that maybe are right or wrong, and I have to avoid those things and make sure I do the right things. And there was that idea in the Jewish culture then of that ritualistic practice. It's out here. But Jesus says, no, what matters is your purity of heart. He takes it from out here. He says, it's actually about what's in here. And and just a side point to that is, number one, that means when it's not out here, it's not something to be avoided. Sin's not something to be afraid of. It's something to flee from your evil desires, which Paul encourages Timothy in. But it's not something to go, oh, it's going to contaminate me out here. Does that make sense? It's like... It's not doing anything goes, but it's actually what happens out here is actually first about what happens in here. It's not about behavior first. It's actually about the position of our heart and the flow of our heart. I think that's a little what Jesus is getting to. And so we can sometimes even in our, to- in our world go, oh, sin's out here, it's all behavioral, but actually that's just the fruit of what's happening in here. And so Jesus says, actually, you want to live free. You want to live free from the disease that is sin that causes us to be constricted and to find life that in ways that we were never created to experience life. It's in here. And that's actually really freeing and also really challenging. But he flips it on his head. He says, it's not about the seen first. It's about the unseen. It's not about the face value the veneer we put to the world around us, it's actually about the heart value. And that's challenging, but that's encouraging. And I actually believe tonight, because let me put it this way, pure in heart. The heart is in many ways defined in many ways, but what is probably as best as I can articulate it, it's speaking to our inner world that only we know about. It's speaking to our will, our intentions. It's speaking to our desires that go on in here. And I love in Scripture that it actually speaks of the heart as a wellspring. That it is from the wellspring of life we live. Our heart is a wellspring. And I was thinking about a well, like we don't have wells in our culture, we're not agricultural society, but we get the idea, I think, of a well. But a wellspring is one that is now dug down to a spring that is flowing. It's pure water. It's something that is so beautiful. You know how they sort of say, you know, mountain water, it's pure water, it's not got any impurities in it. It's this wellspring that out of the, our heart is a wellspring out of which life flows. And it got me thinking about this idea of pure in heart, because I think with purity again, we just have to tweak our thinking, that, that a spring that is flowing is pure, But a spring that is obstructed, that becomes stagnant, that becomes clogged up, suddenly becomes impure. And all it produces is unhealthiness, sickness, disease. And I, as I was pondering this, it helped me start to understand what we are called into when Jesus says pure in heart. It's a heart that isn't clogged up with gunk 
It's a heart that doesn't have obstructions that are causing it to stagnate. It's a heart that is flowing with the river of the living presence of God. And that alone, that only can produce true, healthy life. I remember walking, oh, not walking, but I remember when Liz and I had the the, the opportunity to go on holiday in Canada. And you know the difference when you see those beautiful waters flowing from the mountaintops. Like, and it's just flowing, this beautiful, pure water that just is so life-giving and all the trees are flourishing and all the environment's flourishing. And then you go to a city and it's this, it's this river, but it's just like obstruct. It's just stagnant and it's so unhealthy. This is what we're invited into when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. And as I pondered that, actually, tonight is a bit of the process that I've gone through in the, in the week. It actually starts to get you thinking, how's my heart? Like, is it clogged with some stuff going on? Is my thoughts actually producing a heart that is flowing or a heart that is stagnant? How, how is my attitudes? What's getting a hold of my heart this day? What are the thoughts? What are the unforgiveness or the coveredness or the selfishness that's being displayed right now? Oh, and as I did that, I realized I'm so glad others don't see my heart because there's this element where every day we have the opportunity just to pick up some dirt that just gets caught in there. You know, I was pondering Jesus and Peter. And, and Jesus and Peter, when Jesus comes in, he, he comes just before he's on his way to Gethsemane. And, and he actually chooses to, to take off all of his clothes except his, his whatever it is around his waist. And he he, he came and he said, I want to wash your feet, disciples. And this is my, my paraphrased version. And Peter in that moment says, you will not wash my feet. And, and Peter was thinking he was honoring Jesus. But Jesus said, and I'll get this right. Jesus said to him, if you do not let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. And then Peter says this. He says, well then, Jesus, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. All of me. Wash it all. I want to be a totally a part of you. And I love that passion, right? But Jesus says to him, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. Jesus is not just speaking of physicalities there, but he's speaking about the heart. He's speaking about salvation. He's speaking about what he's bringing. And there's two things to pick up here. One, he's saying, once you have come into being a disciple of me, because Jesus is speaking to disciples. This is disciple talk he's giving right now. When you come and you say, I'm giving my allegiance to you, I'm following you. When you are born again, where the old is gone, the new has come, you are cleansed. His blood cleanses you. You are whole. You are saved. You are completely clean. But Jesus does say, but let me wash your feet. What's he doing? In that time, that was a world where the roads were dirt, and the shoes of choice nippy were sandals. 
I know. I reckon you would have made them look really good. You would have, like, totally made those sandals. Everyone would have been wanting your sandals, man. Seriously. Roads were dirt. Sandals was the shoes of choice. So in anybody's going, as they move between where one house to the other house, doing their work, going about their day, they were going to pick up dirt on their feet. It's something I think Jesus is revealing to us throughout the centuries. He's saying, you are saved. Do not doubt your purity in God. He is the one who makes you pure. But realize as we walk through this world that is being restored and yet not fully restored, that is broken but being healed, that there is just going to be for all of us dirt that just catches our feet, catches our heart each day. And I love as we think about that, that Jesus says, let me wash that off. Let me wash that off. Just as a pause moment, what's the dirt that you've picked up this week? It's just caught in your heart. There's no attack on that. It's just a part of the world we live in. It just gets there. And as we ponder what Jesus was doing with Peter... I'd suggest he's teaching his disciples and then inherently us is just a need to just build in a rhythm of dealing with the dirt. So when it gets in that water of your heart, that wellspring, you just go, ah, oh, hang on. Jesus, come, help me wash this away. I don't want it to build up. I don't want it to become bigger than it needs to be. I don't want it to clog up with accumulation of this dirt of life that just attaches itself and then becomes bigger and bigger and causes more and more disease or unhealthiness in our lives and those around us, where impurities take over. Huh. And this is the thing, and I was talking with Pastor Nathan this week about it, like this beatitude, this blessing, this call, this purity of heart, as we consider actually what's going on in here for each of us, you suddenly get a realisation, I cannot make my heart pure. Like, as much as my good efforts, as much as my journeys of trying to do the right thing and do the things that I think will clean my heart and try and forgive that person, forgive that person, like willpower, I realise I can't clean my heart. And I think there's a picture here of Jesus. He came to Peter and the disciples and said, see that dirt? I'm not, gonna, I'm not attacking you. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying, let me help you remove that. This all comes together in a beautiful picture of King David. King David... This just so encourages me. King David is someone who's described as a man after God's own heart. And yet he was deeply flawed. And that encourages me. Because it tells me again, it's not about my behavior, it's the position and the direction of my heart to God. And that doesn't excuse bad behavior, right? We're not saying that. 
But when we find ourselves in a place where we've gone, man, I have messed up. And David had that moment when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and he killed her husband and they had a kid from that moment. And out of a confrontation, I would say, or a conviction that God brings through the prophet Nathan that brings it to light, David is convicted of all that he's done. And he pens Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 is a part of that response of David to the the conviction that God has placed on him about what he has done. And in Psalm 51, in the middle of it, he writes this. He says, Create in me a pure heart. David remembers or he realizes, I need God to do that. But then what he does in the verses that follow is what I would almost call like engine check lights. It's like, it's a check for our heart. Because what he prays is what he's lacking because of his impure heart that has been. And he says first, renew a steadfast spirit within me. We could talk about it or look at it this way. We know that the wellspring in our heart is possibly getting a little bit obstructed when we start to lose our conviction to chase after God. Renew a steadfast spirit. A pure heart is one that has a single focus. If you think of it now, it's a single focus. It's not double-minded. A pure heart has a single focus. An impure heart is double-minded. It's stretched between the world and God and here, and it becomes a little bit less steadfast. Have you experienced that? I have. It's just a little bit like, oh. you know, in James it actually says, this encouragement that James gives is purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's this picture of standing in two places at the same time, pulled between two places at the same time. And sometimes that can be a tell to go, hang on, I need to just do a little engine check right now. How's the heart going? Is there any obstructions? Come to God. God, I invite you to come and, and cleanse this away as I surrender. The second thing as an engine check that David refers to, I'll put it this way, is he says, do not cast your presence from me or take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. The reality is, is that God doesn't remove us from him, but walls come up as we allow things to obstruct. And so David is expressing there this feeling, this awareness of this, this separation from the presence of God that he's known. It doesn't mean God's not there, but this deep sense of knowing and connection and leading by the Holy Spirit just feels weaker to him. He's like, God, please don't take that. Create in me a pure heart. I need your presence. I need to live. It's a pure-hearted person lives from the place of his presence and continues to long for him. It's, It's an engine check. But then the third was, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That engine light comes on when the joy starts to go down. And you go, oh, I just need an engine check right now. Is something clogging my heart 
that's reducing the joy in my life because Christian joy is not a joy based on circumstances. It's actually a deep satisfaction and rest that our soul has no matter where we find ourselves because we know and are in the midst of our Creator who loves us. And from that is great joy. It's not based on our circumstances or our behaviours. That joy is always available. But sometimes I find when the wellspring is clogged, when that engine light comes on, it's a tell. Go, oh, I've got to assess things right now. So what do we do when that light comes on or when we go, oh, I've I've picked up some dirt on my feet and my heart in this wellspring. What do we do? And we go back to look at Peter. And what we see in Peter and what we see in David is that it is simply taking a moment to invite Jesus to come do the cleansing work as we surrender. To invite him in and surrender. That word surrender is one that's challenging because it's not a passive surrender, it's an active surrender. It's not, okay, God just does it. It's God taking the lead And then we have choices. Will we follow? Will we remove that thing for this season that he's going in my heart? Yeah, just remove that piece. Don't worry about watching that right now. Oh, that's the thing where there's just this unforgiveness and God, what do you want me to do? And there might be action steps, but it's surrendered action steps. Does that make sense? Inviting him surrender inviting him surrender we hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your christian faith our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them and we extend this invitation to you please let us know if we can contact you to offer support simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au